What's going on, everyone? This is George Khalife. I'm back with a good friend, Buster Sher, who's the founder of Hoops Nation. If you're a basketball fan, you will definitely know either the channel or Buster, both of which you 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 will know. If you're if you're a true basketball G, you'll know Buster for sure. Hoops Nation, if you follow them on on Instagram. Uh, thanks all for doing this, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. It's gonna be fun. So I, I kind of watched a bit of interviews. I was doing some prep on you, man, trying to learn. Because I feel like we've interacted once. We played basketball, for those who don't know. Uh, that's how we met through a good friend, a mutual friend, uh, Swish. And ever since then, I've been kind of seeing your content a bit more. Obviously, see hoops. Um, I saw your interviews with a couple of NBA players. But I listened to this interview that you actually were doing this ever since high school. You had this like radio station. You won the award for like the national best station out there. Was this always something you wanted to do? Yeah, so I think I, I think from day one I wanted to be an NBA player. First, I wanted to be an MLB player. And then once I realized baseball was a little bit slow for me and I'm super ADHD, super, you know, whatever, bouncing off the walls. Baseball, I wasn't, I wasn't going to have the patience for it. I played Little League. I wasn't even that good. I was a little scared of the ball. I was scared I was going to get hit all the time. Whatever. Found basketball. Decided I was going to be an NBA player. And then, you know, time goes on. <clears throat> I look at my situation coming off the bench, you know, on middle school teams. I'm like, all right, <clears throat> this might this dream might not be for me. <laughs> uh, so I started looking. I started thinking about what, you know, and, and during that time and before that, I was always just such a huge sports fan and such an NBA fan and a statistics nerd from from a from a game and content standpoint. Um, and I also loved the, you know, the legendary broadcasters that my two favorite teams, the Yankees and the Knicks have in Michael K, the Yankees play by play broadcaster and Mike Breen, the legendary Knicks broadcaster who also does the NBA finals and national TV games for ABC. Mm-hmm. But so I, I started thinking about, you know, the opportunity that that was. And around the same time I was living in Brooklyn uh, because I grew up there in, in Dumbo, Brooklyn and uh, I was going to high school in Brooklyn Heights, and I was super passionate about this NBA stuff. So I started blogging about fantasy basketball because there wasn't, you know, the emphasis on that from a big media standpoint like there was for fantasy football. So I saw that. I started doing that. And around the same time, my family decided to move to Connecticut. So we moved to Connecticut, and this new school that I was going to in Connecticut, Staples High School, they had a radio station, and that is so rare. Um, and they had an actual sports broadcasting like little club where there were a couple kids doing sports broadcasting and I jumped right in. Um, and I'm, I'm super glad that I did that. And I'm also super glad on the record that I didn't make the JV team my sophomore year because that gave me the time to actually do this stuff. <laughs> that's pretty cool, man. That, that, I feel like that's almost like your tipping point because I remember in that video you went back to the station and you were talking to – uh, I think he was either a teacher or or the person who actually hosted the show there, um, and, and just seeing you having that conversation early and getting the opportunity, do you feel like that was your gateway to everything else that led after that? It was part of it for sure. I I think I would I would credit a little bit more just to the just to the year that I was lucky enough to grow up in having mm-hmm. social media. Uh, you know, as prominent as it was at the perfect age for me to really adapt it. And, you know, go all in on it. I I credit that as much um, as I do, you know, all of this broadcasting stuff. But the broadcasting is what was my escape from school, which was everything. Right. 
And when, because I remember you even saying, like, with the whole battle with school, right, is you're doing these videos, you're editing, you're staying up to, like, 4 a.m., but you also have school. Which one do you choose? You're like, I'm going to drop, not, not drop school, but, like, drop the homework for now and just edit these videos. Was that ever a battle with your parents, like, early when you were young, kind of, um, how do you say it, like, painting the picture of what this could actually become when, when you were still early days? Yeah, so I think there was always an element of, you know, them wanting me to do well in school because who, what parent doesn't want their kids to do well? That would be a terrible parent. Um, so obviously, you know, they wanted me to do well. They got me tutors because, you know, in, inherently I was just a bad student. Like I cannot do anything that I'm not interested in. Mm-hmm. Like, and on top of that, I'm super dyslexic. So like there were reading troubles and I was terrible at math because of that as well. But, you know, if you ask me to recite or memorize Carmelo's rookie year statistics, you know, and then present on them for two hours, I'll do it. But if you ask me to read a sentence of a book that I don't care about that was written in 1600, it's going to be very difficult. Um, and that was always a struggle that that I had in high school. And, I, you know, like like a lot of, you know, younger people that have already really discovered what they're passionate about, you know, it's very easy to punt and 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 really push that aside and focus on what you do. And that's what I did. So you you discover that you have this passion um, for one kind of the broadcasting side, but more so the stats, the passion for basketball, sports in general. When does the when does the idea uh, of Hoops Nation come? And and did you ever wonder like even before starting this whole thing, like maybe I should intern for ESPN or you know Fox Sports or something like that? Yeah. So <clears throat> so Hoops Nation came to be because I had an outlet called Fantasy Basketball Community, which I was telling you about. And then right. that I decided to make that a little bit broader, but focus on the NBA. Um, and I called it all NBA all day. So that was my original first then Facebook page and what must have been 2014. Mm-hmm. And around that was around when I when I was moving to Connecticut, like right before that. And I eventually realized that if I was going to make this legitimate, I shouldn't have NBA in the name of, <laughs> you know, my, oh my outlet, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know. So I decided to both uh, take the audience from that outlet, um, what I was covering, the content, but make it all levels. So not just the NBA, but college and middle school and preschool, if they're good enough to dunk on each other on mini hoops, all the way to you know the veterans and the legends and covering all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I decided to call it Hoops Nation. And that's how that started originally on Facebook and then jumped over to Snapchat, which was hot at the time, and then eventually Instagram and now tiktok that's pretty cool actually you mentioned tiktok like how you've have you been able to pivot you know through different social platforms repurpose the content how how do you i think i think the 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 secret sauce that you have and and the reason why i think you've been so successful is because you've you've you want to understand consumer behavior from your point so like kind of tending to that young generation and what they want to see in content because you also make like these cool videos sometimes they're funny memes so you're able to to message that that content in a way that actually resonates with someone like me or you or anybody else in who's who's that in that environment wouldn't you say so is that kind of the the idea behind this whole thing yeah i mean i definitely the the point behind the whole thing is just to make stuff that'll you know make people have a better day and also you know make the basketball fan more passionate about the sport right um and draw more people to my personal brand so that i can then do the same thing personally not through hoops nation uh solely 
mm-hmm. um, but, you know, that that's really what it is. And I think, you know, as far as pivoting, it's, to me, it's more just being where people want you to be, you know, right. like right. people, people aren't going to switch what platform they're on for, for you. anyone. Yeah. For, like literally for the biggest celebrities in the world, nobody's going to hop on a different platform that's just them. You have to go to where they are and you have to optimize the content to what the platform wants you to do. And then you have to live with the results of that and continuously try to to, to adjust, change, optimize and repeat. Um, but do that on every platform simultaneously. I like that. Love that, man. That, that's such a key message because what you're basically uh, suggesting is like a very neutral point. You're not emotional. Like I, I, I hear this a lot. Like, oh, my content's not doing well on YouTube. Well, it's not that YouTube, YouTube doesn't like you. It's just that maybe your content is not one relevant for the audience, or you haven't really repurposed it enough that it makes sense for them to watch it or read it or whatever the medium is. Yeah, I mean, you know, good. Like I, I'm a true believer in good content will always like content in general always get the results of how good it is like Mm -hmm. end of story if you're if you have zero followers and you put out the most amazing video on the internet i think you'll become famous and get millions of dollars the end i just think most people you know they they they're biased to their own content whereas Mm -hmm. the results are really the best indicator of how good your content is and i think that's great and terrible like if you if I'm putting out a YouTube video, which I have in the past, I've gotten a couple hundred views, you know, that is an indicator to either my niche is super small or my content's not that good or it means I have a lot of room to get a lot better, which is super exciting. And I think that's just how people should look at it. But and, and it's also an opportunity to look at it and be like, OK, is this even the right platform for this type of content? You know, mm-hmm. like I was doing. Uh, like Facebook and YouTube live streams before Instagram live and Instagram live dropped and it did a thousand times better every night talking about the NBA on Instagram live. And I think this season it's going to do better on TikTok live than it will on Instagram live. Um, So I think that's, that's just something you just constantly have to adjust and pay attention to, but have fun with it as well. Cause at the end of the day, if you enjoy what you put out, it's a wrap, you'll do well. Dude, can I ask you a question actually on this is that, you, you know, and I definitely agree, like, you can put out a video, if the content's great, you can be, you know, famous overnight in that sense. The, 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 I guess the challenge with that is, if you're someone who produces content and wants to produce content, you might fall into this trap of always trying to post content that you feel is going to be like your home run. You know what right. I mean? Whereas yeah. for you, I'm kind of wondering, like, was that, a, was that a gradual build for you? Or did you have that one piece of content that really, like, stuck and that kind of started the fire for you? super gradual super super gradual i mean i have twenty three thousand posts on instagram you know crazy is that through Uh, hoops nation or through your personal like that's that's hoops nation um you know on facebook i'm sure i have another 15 20 000 snapchat i'm sure i've put up tens of thousands of snapchats over the years you know like very very gradual granted i have had awesome videos like i had a hundred million view video on facebook a little while ago um crazy man you know that i edited and put the music on like you know those things happen but that happens in a gradual thing i think it's a lot better that way too because the problem that people run into and i'm actually going to do a linkedin post about this soon um is that people that don't have catalog often suffer after virality because let's say can you explain that a bit more for people listening they might not understand 
yeah, let's say you're a YouTuber and mm-hmm. you have you have three videos, right? Yeah. One of those videos gets 20 million views and you have a huge influx of audience coming in, wanting to see who you are, wanting to see your content, but you only have three videos. And the two videos before were like crappy homemade videos. But now all of a sudden you have a 20 million view video and tens of millions of people coming in to check out your content, but you have nothing there. Now you look at a guy like, let's say, let's say Joe Rogan goes viral on a video and somebody clicks on his page and he has a catalog of 4,000 interviews and 3,000 video clips and optimized content on every platform, you're going to dive in and you're going to spend a hell of a lot more time and you're going to remember that person. You're going to stay with that person because you see the consistency. And consistency is everything in content. That's so true, man. I love that point. Yeah, that's. I think that's something people may, maybe not realizing. You know what I mean? It's it's what you're because what you're saying is almost setting the infrastructure. Like make goal, sure you have a good base. Be, the goal should be to build your catalog. The right. same as like a musician. Like the right. reason Drake can get paid a million dollars for a set is because he has a catalog where everyone knows all the lyrics to his song. It's the same thing when like an artist. It's a one hit wonder thing. Like you know, mm. like it's dope until it isn't. But it's mm-hmm. super dope when Drake can play. 10 songs from 2018 and a song from 2007 and you know all the lyrics to all of them yeah like singing forever take care and then nothing was the same and then goes back to like money in the grave like you know you'll know all these kinds of songs uh definitely great analogy catalog effect yeah drake like joe and drake very different from like the the people that i can't even name because they had one and didn't have catalog how do you stay consistent when you, I mean, especially talking about, say, take me back to 2014, right? Yeah. Um, teenager, you know, almost about to finish high school, working out of his mom's, um, I think you, it was like her, her editorial uh, office or, yeah, right? Her office, yeah, yeah. Her office, I remember. It was, it was kind of cool. It was near like a beachfront or something. But, um, you know, you're doing these Facebook lives. Maybe you got a couple of views, like, how how did you envision this to become? Like, did you actually see that it was going to become what it is today? And did that give you that motivation? What was it for you? Like, what were you thinking at the time? Um, I, I think I was thinking a couple of things. But most importantly, I was just enjoying it. You know, mm. like I, well, my goal through that too was to um, not go to college. That was my goal. So I wanted to, I wanted to make it very clear to everyone that I shouldn't go to college. Not that I wasn't going to go because I wasn't going to go regardless of what people thought, but I really cared about what other people thought in regards to that. And I wanted to position myself to where I could not go to college and everyone's like, yep, I understand you're making the right choice. And I think I Mm -hmm. did that because my guidance counselor thought that it was the right choice. And every teacher that I had was like, yeah, that makes sense. Um, and every friend and now I was the only person not to go to college in my 500 plus person graduating class. But the fact that it made sense is what made me happy and that everyone thought it made sense. You know, still some like older people that I tell it to that don't even understand what social media is, don't understand. And they think I should still go back to school. But, um, that was my goal. Like that was my goal. And aside from that, it was, I was just having fun and that's it. I still, that's all I think I do. I don't even consider it work. And, and this is actually an, an, another challenge I feel is that because I, I don't know if you felt this at some times, but you know, when especially for content creators, whether you're a photographer, a videographer, someone like what you're doing, maybe a podcaster in the space, 
and it's the same reason why I started a podcast because I just I love talking to people, I love storytelling, and I'm sharing those stories. On the flip side of that, you, you often hear, and I'm sure you've heard this before, like, dude, listen, this is my passion, and I'm kind of afraid of turn or maybe monetizing it because when I do, that passion will become like a, you know, I have to I have to make money now, I have to pay my bills. Like when you actually go full time, did you have that that effect on you? No, not at all. Um, I, I think for a couple of reasons. One being the only thing money does for me, because I just look at money as fuel and fuel to make everything I do better. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I think it always comes back to the consumer in the end. And if it doesn't, then I'm selfish and I don't deserve it. Interesting. Very interesting. Like if, like if somebody hands me $10,000 right now, what am I going to do? Am I going to go buy a Rolex or am I going to invest it back into the podcast and, you know, get two more dope cameras or hire a video editor for three months to do content every day for me. Like, that's what I'm going to do, you know? And I think anybody that does the alternative off of it is, is going to lose in the long run. Mm. Uh, that's what I've seen from like the biggest YouTubers. They invest everything, everything back into their own business. How, yeah. how are you able to stay grounded? But like, uh, and this is something I respect, honestly, hearing that from you is, uh, you know, at a young age, you could you could buy that Rolex, to your example. Um, how were you able, like, was it something you learned as you grew up or was it something that you maybe had a model in your father? Like, just give me an example of where that came from. I don't think I, I've ever been cool. So I think that's really where it came from. Like, I switched schools a bunch of times. Like, I wasn't a good student. I wasn't a star athlete. Like, I was a brat. Like, that's not a very sexy thing to grow up behind. So I, I mm. think when you had like I wasn't a party kid like I was I wasn't even invited to part like it's it's just how it is you know right. and I think that's the best thing that could have happened to me so you almost used this outlet and that kind of motivation to make this a success so that you can prove more importantly to yourself that you know I'm I'm able to do whatever I set my mind to especially something I'm passionate about yeah and it's less proving anything to myself honestly I'm like I don't even think about it and in, in the sense of that, I just like having fun doing what I'm doing, but how do I stay grounded? It's because I was never cool, you know? <laughs> like, That's I'm no funny. cooler than anybody else even now, but back then, most certainly not, you know? <laughs> like, that's just, it's just how it was. That's pretty interesting, man. Yeah, because you, you moved a lot, and but I, I, I do like your perspective. I mean, because you're still having fun with it the same way you were back then. Isn't that yeah, I'm case? having way more fun now because I can actually make money on it and do doper stuff because I invested back in, you know, like yeah. it's way more fun now than when I just had to like sit down and talk about what I was watching. I can actually go out and do some of the cool stuff and, and you know, look the par, which is fun, too. How did you start the interview with with NBA players? Because I don't know if you, if you guys listening may not have seen, but basically Buster, I mean, apart from 100 different podcasts and interviews, one of the segments he has is playing video games with NBA players, asking them questions at the same time. How did that all come about? Like, how do you go from, to working with the NBA on this kind of thing? They approached me on that, which was, which was a lot of fun. So my personal YouTube is signed to the NBA Playmakers program, which is their program for influencers. Okay. And they reached out asking if I could host one day, and I did it, and they loved it. So <laughs> we've been doing it since. But it's a lot of fun. I love it. We did it at All Star. We did it at Summer League in Las Vegas. We'll probably do it again this year. It was, it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, that's pretty cool, dude. Like, just how do you feel when 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 something like this happens? Like the NBA reaching out to you to interview NBA players. 
Uh, I feel great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I just think about it in terms of like delivering. Like I always just want to over deliver. If, right. if I if I over deliver for everybody, then I'll continue, you know, doing cool and fun stuff. So I just got to make sure I'm doing that. So I'm I'm focused on that and making it very obvious that I'm having fun on camera, which I am. But sometimes like when people when people get super excited, they keep it in because they think it's not cool um to, you know to show how excited they are but i make sure it's very apparent how happy i am <laughs> it's a lot of fun like literally one of one of like the gigs over this last year for me has been showing up they book the guest they handle all the equipment i show up for an hour play video games on the nba's twitch with nba players and bounce and that's it that's i don't even so think good. about it it's like an hour. It's like literally an hour and a half on my schedule. I think it was like Tuesdays last season. Mm-hmm. So an hour and a half on my schedule. That's that. You show up and do it and bounce to the best. That's fucked. Up. That's crazy, man. That's awesome. I mean, it's it's just so cool that you you turn that passion into something even fun doing it. Kind of like what Joe says too. Like uh, I know you're probably a big fan as well. And uh, for him, it's kind of like the UFC. You know, he geeks out commentating because he loves the sport so much like he yeah he he can't imagine doing anything else like this is what he loves to do i respect joe a lot for someone listening man because you found that purpose maybe early on for someone who maybe doesn't have it so identified do you have kind of any advice especially for someone early in the game to find that kind of purpose like would you say it's, it's something you you have fun in that makes you happy like what what is that definition for you so i actually believe that everyone does know their passion because people have to fill their time somehow and that whatever they choose to spend the most time on is their passion. Like, you know, it might not be the most lucrative lawyer work or doctor work or sports work in the world, but I think everyone does know their passion right now and they just have to uh, accept that and go all in on it. But I, I think everyone does actually know their passion. Like, I truly believe that. Like, like maybe, let's say you play video games all day. That's your passion. <laughs> like, do something with it. Um, but I, right. I believe whatever people spend the most time on is their passion. Maybe they don't like their passion, and that's fine. You can explore other things and find your second favorite thing, or maybe it becomes your first favorite, and I'd say just test things out. But I do think that most everybody actually does already know their passion. They just don't want to accept it. It's crazy how how when you accepted it, like, look what happened, right? I think that's the cool part about it. Yeah, and I think what's important, too, is, like, even when I was doing it, like, I remember vividly sophomore year of high school, and I came into the new school, mm-hmm. and kids were making fun of me like crazy because I was blogging about basketball on the internet, and they were like, you know, I was just getting made fun of every day, and I think most sane people would just stop that, but I enjoyed it, so I kept doing it, and I think it was a little bit easier, too, because I was a new kid, so I didn't, it's not like I had pre-experience with these, with these kids that were making fun of me for what I was doing, but... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think most people would have just stopped. For people listening, obviously I know the answer to this and I've heard you say it, but I feel like a lot of people wondering because they might not know the IG business so well, um, or especially creating content online more importantly. How do you monetize, dude? Maybe not micro, but give us kind of like um an example of how you're able to turn this into a business uh that's yeah. actually lucrative. Yeah, so I mean you can run ads on Instagram all day, you can uh, a lot of it's gigs that come from it. So like the NBA gig, like that came from my audience on social, you know, any speaking gig that I do that comes from social, uh, any ad campaigns. Like I was in a commercial for Nike a couple months ago. I did a campaign for Wells Fargo a couple months ago. 
Um, that's one. And then also what I do for like record labels. So hip hop artists, essentially when they drop new tracks, I'll put it over the top of videos and then distribute it across social to get them the impressions that they want. Um, so there, there are a lot of different ways you can monetize off social, um, you know, beyond merchandise as well. Um, and all the opportunities that come off of that are athletes wanting to promote themselves or agencies paying you to promote it or promoting events, uh, ticket sales, you know, getting gambling links and affiliates. Like there are so many different ways. And are you reaching like, especially early, like, are you reaching out to the sponsors aside from ads? Like, or does it sort of build by itself? Like they kind of pursue you as well. If there's a mutual fit. It's mostly inbound. Yeah. It's mostly inbound. Yeah. Especially if you grow your following um, and your engagement is high. That's the other thing. It's not just about like the follower count. I think that's what a lot of people don't really realize. Um, you know, you can have a hundred thousand followers, but if your engagement is, is crap, like, it doesn't necessarily do well for, you know, more people looking to sponsor content, right? Yeah, you could have you could have ten thousand followers, and if you're getting seven thousand likes a photo, you're gonna get paid. You should get paid more than somebody with a hundred thousand followers getting five thousand likes. Right, right. I gotta ask, man, what's next for you? Like, what do you what do you hope to to still build that that you're that you're working on? I want to build out and blow out my personal brand much more than I'm doing now. So like the weekly podcast that I do is helping with that a lot. And the content right. that comes from that. We record like in person and cool studio and we have a bunch of athletes coming on soon. So that'll be fun. And the cool thing about that is I own hundred percent of it, you know, like no podcast network, nothing like how pretty much I do everything like hoops nation. I own hundred percent of personal brand, hundred percent of, I don't have representation. So I get a hundred percent of everything. Um, podcast on hundred percent of, so, you know, really building that, from underneath and you know that might suck in in the short term but in the long term i'm confident you know i, I think you know even looking back at people like rogan you know he used to do podcasts on his couch that got no views exactly. and it's less about it's less about the view count it's more about just the fact that he did it himself instead of going to a network and doing it through them because the pro like it, it would be super cool for me to like host a late night show like that would be awesome that would be a dream come true but two three years down the road let's say i keep doing it every night and they say hey buster we think we're going to go with somebody younger we think we're going to go with somebody with more energy uh thank you for everything though i really appreciate it and that's that i'm done i own none of the stuff that i did i just got paid for what i did or let's say I do my podcast for 10 years and I build up. And my dream guest all the time, I want to get Barack Obama on because I just want to talk basketball with Barack Obama. That's and so there are a couple of people like I want Kanye West on. I want Kobe Bryant on. I want Derek Jeter. Like these are my top like Mount Rushmore of guests that I would want on some of the content that I'm doing, whether that's podcast, whether that's video interview, whether whatever form, whether that's a pickup basketball game, whatever it is, I want to build towards that not sign somewhere shortcut it and then not own any of it mm. how, how do you go about getting people like this man like eventually how do you how do you envision that happening like connecting through someone maybe is that kind of the the idea ideally they'd want to do it themselves that's the goal yeah. i love it boss that's the goal I i would want you know i would want kobe to see one and then be like hey that looks like fun let me let me do that. I'm like, yeah, you're welcome any day, any time. I will come at 4 a.m. for you. So, you know, I, I think that that would be the goal. 
Um, if somebody offers to connect me to Kobe Bryant, I'm going to take them up on it. Um, and I would love to do it tomorrow if we could, but you know, that's, that's what I'm building towards. Amazing. Dude, before we end this one question for you is what's that one piece of advice? Um, I asked this to all my, my guests at the end. Um, and I try to put this kind of together when I have a bunch of uh, episodes more so for insight, but What's that one piece of advice you'd give to someone who's maybe 18, 20, looking to do or pursue that passion of theirs? Um, So I think, you know, depending on what day I'm asked this, I would have a different answer, depending on what hour I'm asked this. But my answer this second right now is that you just got to you just got to start messing around with it and not waste, you know, any more time thinking about doing it, because that's what I've noticed is like. You know, even if your content is terrible, which honestly I think is a lot, is infinitely better. Like if your content is terrible or whatever you're doing is terrible, it's infinitely better than thinking about doing it. <laughs> you know, like that, Just that is it out. my advice, just to do it. And it doesn't matter how bad it is. It doesn't matter if nobody sees it. It doesn't matter if nobody buys it, whatever it is, just do it because that's infinitely better and you're infinitely closer to whatever your goal is, a billion dollars being famous or being able to send a thousand kids to school, like whatever your goal is, you know, I, I think trying is, is, is makes you, inf- it literally makes you infinitely closer than not. So that's my advice. Amazing. Buster Sher, founder of Hoops Nation. Thanks a lot, my man. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, of course, bro. Thank you for having me. All right, buddy. We'll chat soon. And if you're in Toronto next, we got to do a one-on-one. All right. Let's do it. Oh, dude, last thing, last thing before I go. Sorry, I, I forgot to ask this, but you recently bet on the Knicks. <laughs> yeah, it was fake. Bucks, it, was, it was photoshopped. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's not. I'm like, I hope not real. <laughs> everyone, everyone thinks it's real though. Well, it kind of makes sense because, because like for them to win the finals, I would expect the outcome to be that high. <laughs> Those are the real odds, though. Those are the real odds. They are the right. Okay, that's yeah, why yeah, I didn't think it was. Odds. Okay, okay, gotcha. Yeah. All right, man. Just wanted to make sure. Yeah. Okay, buddy. We'll chat soon. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate. Your yeah, time. no problem. Let me know when it comes out. I'll promote it.